To be honest with you, I've actually got some really bad news for you. Um, and I'm going to tell you this bad news because I love you, and I love you enough to tell you the truth. And that's the thing about love, right? Like, if you love somebody, you're going to tell them the truth, even if it's not a truth that people want to hear. Even if the truth is inconvenient, because of your love, you're going to tell someone the truth. And so the truth is that you do not deserve the love of God. You don't deserve eternal life. You do not deserve forgiveness. Uh, in fact, the, the bad news is simply this. All you deserve is to be punished forever. That is what you deserve, and that's what, what I deserve. And I want you to believe that truth with everything you are because the world tells you something completely different. It tells you you just do what you do and it's going to be fine. There's no real judgment. But I'm here today to tell you the truth. There is judgment. There is going to be a time when God pours out His anger and pours out His wrath. And the only thing that you deserve is not forgiveness. It's judgment. That is what you deserve. And so I love you enough to tell you that I want you to believe that truth that all you deserve is to be punished for breaking the law of God. And strangely enough, I want you to find encouragement in that truth. I want you to find encouragement in the fact that all you deserve is to be punished for breaking God's law. I want you to find comfort in that. And so look with me at Romans in chapter 2, verses 1 through 16, as we discover this terrible news together and let this terrible news drive you to the foot of the cross of your Savior, Jesus Christ. The first thing you need to understand, and it's something I really think that we all can agree with, right, is that God rightly judges those who do evil things. Right, like we would understand that. Like if there is a God, and I believe there is, that this God must, in order to be good, judge wickedness and punish evil deeds. And that makes sense. Even if you're not a Christian, that makes sense. That you desire that evil gets punished. Like we understand that it's wrong to kill somebody and we think that you should be punished if you kill somebody. But you don't have to be a Christian to believe that. Non-Christians still believe that it is wrong to kill people. Why? Because they got the law of God in their hearts. And so whether you're a Christian or not, you understand that if there is a God, and I believe there is, and that the God is the God of the Bible, the one true living God who created all of us, that that God rightly judges those who do evil. That is something we can all agree with, right? God judges those who do evil. And so, here's where the kicker comes in. Because in verse 2 it tells us, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. But what about us? Because don't we do evil things? Don't we do things that are against God and against His law? Sometimes we think that we might get special treatment because we've been in church. Sometimes we might think that we get special treatment because we've done all these things for God. We haven't killed anybody, mostly, hopefully. We haven't cheated or ran around or done all sorts of different things. So surely we might get special treatment. And that's kind of the idea of what Paul's addressing here is because he's talking specifically in this passage to some Jewish Christians that are in Rome who believe that because they had the law of God, that that meant that they would have an excuse and they would escape the judgment of God. But here's the thing we need to understand that you need to understand. Yes, God knows and rightly judges those who do evil, but that also means that that could be you. 
because you do not get special treatment. And that's the thing we need to understand about this is that you do not get special treatment. I do not get special treatment. The Bible tells us that you will get exactly what you deserve for your actions. That God will give you what you deserve for your actions. Notice there in verse 6. Verse 6 tells us, He will render to each one according to his works. God will give you exactly what you deserve for your actions. The word render means to reward or to give or to hand out. And so what God is saying in this passage is that God will give you exactly what you deserve for what you have done, for the actions that you have done. And then we look here and it tells us if you do good, God will give you eternal life. If you do good, there will be glory and honor and peace. Notice there in verse 7, For those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. In other words, for those that do good, He will give eternal life. But here's the next thing. Notice there in verse 10, that those same things, that if you're seeking glory, honor, and peace, you're going to get eternal life. But then notice, those things are actually given to you, verse 10, if you do good. But glory, honor, and peace is given to everyone who does good for the Jew first and also the Greek. So if you do good, you're going to receive good rewards. You're going to receive good things. But if you do evil, if you do wickedness, if you break God's law, which we all have, right? Because what is evil? What is wickedness? What is the standard of that? Well, the standard of that is God's law. And so God's law, if you break it, if you break the Ten Commandments, you will receive wrath, which is just anger. God's anger, God's wrath against your sin, and there will be fury. In other words, rage, punishment, judgment. If you do evil, you will receive the wrath of God, the punishment of God, the the judgment of God. We see that there in verse 8. For those who are self-seeking, who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. And then he goes on and doubles down. There will be tribulation, that is suffering, immense, painful, hard suffering as well as distress, a lack of peace. You will have no peace. You will have anxiety. You will be stressed if you do evil because the wrath of God is going to be poured out on you. You will get exactly what you deserve. We do not get special treatment for God shows no partiality. Doesn't know. doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Doesn't matter who your family is or how much money you give. You get no partiality. You get no special treatment. God gives you exactly what you deserve. And so let me ask you, what do you deserve? What, act, what do your actions deserve? Now surely, obviously, right? We all do some good things, right? Like even wicked people at times do good things. Surely we at least have some good. But... If you break one aspect of the law, you break them all. And so that puts us in a really big problem. Because yes, surely we do good, right? We do good, and maybe our good will outweigh our bad. That's sometimes what we think. But at the end of the day, our bad still outweighs our good. Because when we break one aspect of the law, we have broken all of it. And what I mean by that is simply this. All sin has at its root 
one thing. And if you remember from last week, you'll remember what that is. Idolatry. All sin has as its root one main sin, and that sin is the sin of idolatry. And so your sin may look different from someone's sin. It may manifest itself or reveal itself differently, but it still ultimately has the same root, idolatry. And what is idolatry? Taking God off His throne and replacing Him with somebody else. Usually for us, it's our own self, our own desires, what we want, what we think is right. And so when we sin, what we are saying is God's way is not right, my way is right. For example, if you steal something or if you're covetous, meaning you desire something that somebody else has, what you are doing at that point is you're saying what God has given me is not enough. I deserve more. I need more. And so you replace God with yourself and your own desires and thinking what you think. Or if you're running around on your spouse, you take God off his throne. You're saying God doesn't know how my love life should be. I'm the one that gets to decide who I love and what I do. It's idolatry, every bit of it, all of it. All sin has at its root idolatry. If you're lying to somebody, what you're doing is you're taking God off his throne and you're saying truth doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is my own reputation and what I want people to think about me instead of the truth of God. And so to break one aspect of the law is to break all of it because every sin has at its root idolatry. And so let me ask you again, what do your actions deserve? Well, if we all have committed idolatry, then our actions deserve one thing. And what is that? Wrath fury, distress, tribulation. Let, let me ask you this. When you breathe and you don't trust Christ, does every breath that you take, is that sin against God? Let me ask it another way. Every time your heart beats and you haven't trusted Christ, is that sin against God? Yes. Every breath that you take and every beat of your heart if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, is sin. Why? Because everything that does not proceed from faith is sin. Your heart beats to your own glory. Your lungs breathe to your own glory and not to the glory of God. Therefore, everything that we do, even good things that do not start with faith, is sin against the Most High God because it is done for our glory and not His. Once again, idolatry. And so when we sin, we commit idolatry and we are serving our own desires. Therefore, we deserve that wrath. We deserve that fury. We deserve that distress. We do not get special treatment, but sometimes we might have excuses. And we see right there in verse 1 what Paul says to those that have excuses. It says, therefore, you have what? Plenty of excuses. Is that what it says? No. It says, therefore, you have no excuse. Friends, we can try to come up with all sorts of things to cover up and justify why we sin. But at the end of the day, you have no excuse for breaking God's law. You have no excuse for your sin. You may say, well, I'm not as bad as other people. I mean, I'm not running around on my spouse. I'm not going and getting completely plastered every weekend. I'm going to church unlike these people over here that are doing all these things. I'm not as bad as they are. Surely God will cut me a break. Notice what it says there in verse 1. Oh man, every one of you who judges has no excuse for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Why? 
because you yourself, the judge, practice the same thing. But, but I'm not running around. I'm not getting plastered every week, and I'm not doing those things. Hold up. Your sin looks different. It's still sin, though, and at its root, what is it? Idolatry. So your sin may look different than somebody else's, but when you judge somebody in their sin, when you look down on them in their sin, what you are doing is really condemning yourself because what you're saying is they're committing idolatry, and guess what? I'm committing idolatry, and since I'm thinking they're wrong at it, that means I'm actually evil at it too, and therefore I also have sin. So even in our excuse of trying to shift the blame on somebody else, we end up condemning ourselves, and therefore we have no excuse. Or maybe you're just like, well, God hasn't punished me yet, right? Like, I'm going, and if God really didn't want me to do something, he would just stop me. He would keep me from doing it. Isn't that how we sometimes treat God? That, like, if he doesn't want me to do something, then he'll make sure that I won't be able to do it, that he'll close the door, that he just will not make a way for me to be able to continue in this sin? Isn't that how we view God? That if God really desired for me to stop something, he would make sure that I would stop it. But all that comes from the fact that we just have a misunderstanding of who God is and what it's like. Notice there in verse 2, verse 3, Do you suppose, O man, you who judge and practice those things, that you will escape the judgment of God? Sometimes we think that if God hasn't punished us yet, that means he's completely okay with what I'm doing. But no, that's not the case at all. We see next here that when we do that, what we're doing is we're actually looking down upon God's kindness. Notice there, verse 4, Do you presume upon the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience? To presume is to look down upon, to mock. And so when we continue in sin that we know is sin because we feel like we're going to escape it or because we feel like if God was really concerned about me doing it, He would keep me from doing it, what we're doing is we are mocking and making fun of God. We're presuming upon His riches and we misunderstand His grace. And his patience. For the Bible tells us here that why has God not punished you yet? Notice there. His patience, his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. The reason God has not smited you dead because of your sin is because he desires for you to come to repentance. And what does repentance mean? It's simply a change in attitude, a change in direction. I was going this way toward my sin, but now I'm turning around and going toward God. That is repentance. Laying down the old, picking up the new, and following Christ. And so you may be in your sin, and you may use the excuse, man, God hasn't punished me yet. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm going to escape. You misunderstand who God is. He wants you to repent. He hasn't judged you or punished you because He wants you to come to a place where you trust Christ, where you come to trust Him. Don't presume upon His riches of His grace. Don't not make a mockery of God. If you are in sin and He hasn't punished you yet, thank God that He's given you another chance to turn and to trust Him because we have no excuse. But sometimes... We use the excuse, well, I didn't know it was wrong. Like how many times when you're driving and you're going a little over the speed limit and you get pulled over and you didn't realize you're going over the speed limit, you say, well, officer, I, I didn't see the speed limit sign. I didn't know. Do you still usually get a ticket sometimes? Yeah. It didn't matter whether you knew it or not, whether you saw the sign or not, you still got the ticket. There are times when we make the excuse, well, God, I didn't know this was sin. There, there's times when we may say, 
But what about those people over there who have never heard of the gospel? Surely they're going to get an excuse. Surely that's a good excuse. Maybe I can use that excuse. God, I didn't know this was sitting against you. I've never heard that before. How, how, how can I be held liable for something that I uh, didn't know was, was wrong? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 12 that all who sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who sinned under the law will be judged by the law. In other words, whether you have the law of God or not, you will be judged, you will perish based on that. If you have the law, then you know what God requires. And when you break that law, when you steal, when you covet, when you lust, commit adultery, hate, dishonor your parents, commit idolatry, when you do those things, those things are breaking of God's law and they deserve judgment. They deserve wrath. And you know that because you have the law of God. But what if you do not have the law of God? Maybe you're using that as an excuse. Well, do you still do some good things? Do you still think that it's wrong to kill somebody? Do you still do some good things and yet still do other things? Guess what? Your good actions show that you have the law of God written on your heart. That's why we believe that there are no such thing as true atheists. The Bible tells us that people suppress the truth about God and God hands them over to a more and more debased mind. People who claim to be atheists and have no belief in God are simply lying to their self because they suppress the truth. To those who say they do not know right from wrong, they are simply lying to their self because God has written that law on their hearts. Notice there in verse 15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Friends, no matter what it is, you are without excuse. Any excuse you bring fails compared to the knowledge of the holiness, of the righteousness, of the goodness of God. In the beginning, I told you that I had some, some bad news. Some terrible news. You know that God is right to judge those who do evil. You know that you do not get any special treatment. You know that you are without excuse in your sin. Therefore, you deserve to be punished for breaking God's law. You deserve that suffering. You deserve that tribulation. You deserve that fury. You deserve that wrath. You deserve distress. You deserve every type of calamity that comes your way because of your sin. And that is a hard, disturbing, unsettling truth. Right now, you may feel discouraged. Guess what? Sit in that for a second. Let the weight of this truth weigh heavy upon your soul. Let the bitterness of this truth sit in your mouth as you ponder it. Let this truth pierce you so deep like a thorn piercing your skin that you feel the pain of this truth piercing through your body all the way to your bones. Let it make you distressed. Let it make you uncomfortable. But then, let it drive you to the foot of the cross. Let it drive you to the feet of Jesus. Let it make you even more thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. Because until you come to grips 
with this bitter truth that you deserve nothing but the judgment of God. The salvation through faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins will never be sweet. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth. And that this truth is that we all stand condemned before you because of our sin. Father, help us to believe this truth with all of our heart and let this truth drive us to the foot of the cross because we know that we are no longer judged by what we have done, but we are judged through Jesus Christ and what He has done on the cross for us. We know that Jesus has taken the distress, the fury, the wrath that we deserved so that now we can simply cling to You. So let the truth that we deserve nothing but wrath draw, drive us to the feet of the cross of Your Son. Let that be our only hope in this life and in the life to come that we have trusted Jesus who has taken the wrath that we deserved. Father, help this truth to weigh heavily upon us, but not to the point that we forget the cross. Help it to always drive us to the feet of the cross of your blessed Son, who has died and was buried and now lives forevermore, constantly offering and giving forgiveness of our sins. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.